we are starting Second Kings. So Ahab is dead, and then his son Ahaziah um, falls through a lattice in his upper chamber, becomes ill, and he sends messengers uh, to inquire of Baalzebub, the god of Ekron, about whether or not he's going to recover from this sickness. And But the angel of the Lord tells Elijah, Arise, go meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say to them, Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are going to inquire of Baalzebub, the god of Ekron? Now therefore, thus says the Lord, You shall not come down from the bed where you have gone up, but you shall surely die. So when the messengers return, he says, Why, why are you back so quick? What's going on? And they say, A man came up to meet us and said this, you know, to say this. And the king asked, what kind of man was it? And we get our description of Elijah. He was a hairy man <laughs> with a leather girdle bound about his loins. He says, ah, that's Elijah the Tishbite. So he sends a, a captain with 50 men to go get him, and they find him on top of a hill. And the captain says, man of God, the king says, come down. And Elijah says, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 people. Then the fire comes down and, and kills them. So Elijah sends a second uh, captain with 50 more men, and same thing. Oh, man of God, come down. And Elijah says, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down and consume you. And so the fire comes and, and uh, consumes the 50 more men. And so the king sends a third group of 50 men. And uh, the, this time the captain is very humble and says, oh, man of God, please let my life and the lives of these 50 servants of yours be precious in your sight. Behold, fire came down from heaven and consumed the first two captains in their fifties. But now let my life be precious in your sight. So the angel of the Lord says, go down with him. Don't be afraid of him. He's not going to kill you. So they go and they see the king. And he says to the king, uh, Elijah does, Thus says the Lord, because you have sent messengers to inquire of Baalzebub, the god of Ekron, is it because there is no god in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore you shall not come down from the bed where you have gone up, but you shall surely die. And he has no son, so when he dies, Jehoram becomes king. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Okay, I was confused, and I'm doubting myself even now. Um, having read it a couple times, I hadn't remembered this. Jehoram is now king of Israel. In the second year of Jehoram, son of Josaphat, king of Judah. So both kingdoms have a king named Jehoram. And that's basically the end of 2 Kings 1. I just flipped over to NLT and it says, uh, This Jehoram was Ahaziah's son. I mean, sorry. This Jehoram was Ahaziah's brother. So there's that. Okay, and then we're on to chapter 2. So... The Lord is about to take Elijah up by a whirlwind to heaven, and he keeps telling Elisha, stay here, wait for me. And Elisha says, as the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So then the sons of the prophets uh, come to him and say, do you know the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he says, yes, I know, be still. And then again, Elijah tells him, okay, now that we're here, uh, stay here. And he says, no, I'm going with you. And again, the prophets that are there said, you know, your Lord's going to take your master from you today. And he says, yes, I know, be still. And then Elijah again tries to tell him, uh, you know, stay here in Jericho. I'm going to go to the Jordan. And Elisha says no again. So they keep going on. 
And so they, they go on and the prophets are watching and uh, from a distance. And Elijah takes his mantle and he hits the water with it and the water uh, divides, much as it did for Joshua. And they cross over. And Elijah says, what shall I do before I am taken from you? And Elisha says, please let the double portion of your spirit be upon me. And Elijah retorts, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. And then a great chariot of fire comes down from the sky. Uh, it's got horses of fire. And they, he, it comes right between the two. And Elijah gets on and... Uh, you know, is taken up by it to heaven. And Elisha cries out, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And Elijah was gone. And then he took his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. And he took up, he saw the mantle of Elijah fell from him. And he returned and stood by the bank. He took the mantle of Elijah and he struck the waters with it and saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he also struck the waters, they were divided here and there. And Elisha crossed over. So the, the Lord did the same miracle for him that he had done for Elijah, which was what he had done for the entire people of Israel in the time of uh, of Joshua crossing over. Now the prophets there saw that um, saw all this, and they said the spirit of well, they didn't see it all, but they saw, uh, I guess, uh, Elisha returning. They said the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha, and they came down to meet him and bowed to him. And they they asked Elisha, hey, can you know can we go look for your master? Maybe the Lord has taken him up and thrown him down somewhere. Elisha says no, but they continue to urge him. And he says, fine, go look for him. So they sent 50 men. They searched for three days. They did not find him. And then they came back. They found Elisha was at Jericho. And he says, didn't I tell you? Don't go. So then these prophets say to Elisha, behold, you know, it's a beautiful city as we're here, but the the water is bad and the land is unfruitful. So Elisha tells them to bring a new jar and put salt in it. So they did this. And so he takes the jar of water, uh, salt water, throws it into the river and or the spring, and uh, it, it becomes pure. And he says, I've made it pure. It's, it, there's no more death in it. And so it stayed pure from there. And then he went up there from there to Bethel. And some young kids uh, come up and, and uh, it says young lads uh, go up and they start saying, go up, you bald head, go up, you bald head. So they kind of mock him. And he looked behind them and he saw them. He cursed them in the name of the Lord. And two bears came out of the woods and tore up 42 of them. And then he went from there to Mount Carmel. And then from there he returned to Samaria. And then we're on chapter 3. Oh, and an interesting thing that was in the video... Um, that we're watching along with this, forget their name. Um, they said that apparently they counted and Elisha does twice as many miracles as Elijah. It, at least that's what's recounted in the scriptures. I have not counted for myself, but it's interesting if I guess the author was doing, showing that to show that uh, he indeed had a double portion. Well, now I'm confused. In, in chapter 3, it says Jehoram... Um, son of Ahab becomes king over Israel at Samaria in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. In chapter 1, at the end, it had said that uh, Jehoram became king in Israel and Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, was king in Judah. And But this here in chapter 3 says it was that Jehoram became king in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. 
I've never noticed this discrepancy before. Um, and um, but there it is. Uh, unless somehow there's a typo in the version of the NASB I'm reading, although the NLT said that too. So I don't know. That's confusing. So Jehoram, son of Ahab, runs, uh, or you know, but meaning he was of the line of Ahab, uh, reigned twelve years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, though not like his father and his mother. He so he at least did put away the sacred pillar of Baal that his father had made. Nevertheless, he clung to the sins of Jeroboam. Uh, he did not depart from those sins. So I don't know if that's because he he had the altars with the calves and cow calves in the two cities. Um, I'm guessing that's what that means. Now uh, Moab had uh, revolted when Ahab died, and. Uh, now it says, Mesha, king of Moab, was a sheep breeder and used to pay the king of Israel a hundred thousand lamb and the wool of a hundred thousand rams. But when Ahab died, the king rebelled, and King Jehoram went out of Samaria at that time and mustered all Israel. He wanted to get them back as his subjects. So he went and sent word to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, saying, The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go fight with me? He says, I will go up. I am as you are. My people is your people. My horse is your horses. Uh, which way shall we go? The way of the wilderness of Edom. So they're going up and they're in a desert area. And so it's the king of Israel, king of Judah, king of Edom. Because Edom was subject to Judah. And uh, and then all of a sudden they're, they're like dying of thirst. And the king of Israel thinks they're all going to die. And uh, Jehoshaphat says... Um, is there not a prophet of the Lord here that we can ask? And so one of the kings of Israel's servants said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here. And so Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. And Elisha says, what do I have to do to with you? Why don't you go see the prophets of your fathers? Um, you know, you, you've not followed the ways of the Lord. Why are you coming to me? And they, they say, oh, the Lord has given us into the hands of Moab. And, and so Elisha says, well, because of Jehoshaphat and my regard for him, I will answer you. So he has a minstrel play some music. And then the hand of the Lord came on him as the minstrel played. And so he's, he told them to, uh, from the Lord, make this valley full of trenches. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet that valley shall be filled with water, so that you shall drink, both you and your cattle. Um, this is but a slight thing for the Lord. He will also give you the Moabites into your hand. Then you shall strike every fortified city and every choice city, and fell every good tree, and stop all springs of water, and mar every good piece of land with stones. And so in the morning, at the time of offering, uh, Water came down by the way of Edom. The country was filled with water. So basically a river from way up started rushing. And uh, they didn't see the storm that caused it. But it flowed down to them. And it filled up the trenches they had dug. And in the morning the army of Moab comes up. And they see all the water trenches. And it looks like blood to them from where they're standing. And so they think the king of Judah, Israel, and Edom had fought against each other and so they think it's going to be an easy fight so they rush in there to kill anybody who's left over but the army is just there they're, they hadn't been fighting it was just water and so they uh they begin to defeat the moabites 
And so they they continue on through the land of Moab. They're kind of destroying cities and and there's this final battle and the king of Moab is tries to break through with 700 great swordsmen but they couldn't do it. And then he offers up his son as a sacrifice. And uh and I guess this inspired the the people of Israel to uh to, I mean the people of Moab to fight really hard against Israel. Um so it, it it worked in the sense that Israel withdrew. And then that's then we go on to chapter 4. Now we skip over to a story. There's a, a prophet died, and uh, the widow comes to Elisha and said, My husband is dead, and you know he served you, and he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. And so Elisha says, Well, what do you have in the house? And she says, Nothing except a flask of olive oil. So he says, Go borrow as many jars as you can, and fill, take the olive oil and pour it into all these jars. And uh, so she, they do this until they run out of jars to borrow. And then they come to Elisha and he says, now sell them and you should, you'll be able to pay your debts and whatever's left you and your sons can live on. So so a little bit reminds me of uh, Jesus and Cana filling, uh, changing the water to wine. Um, it's obviously a little different, but reminds me of that. So Elisha's in Shunem one day, and a wealthy woman urged him to come over for a meal. And so from that day forward, whenever he was passing through that way, he would stop there for something to eat. And she told her husband that she's sure that this is a holy man of God, so they should build a room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, table, chair, and a lamp so that he has a place to stay whenever he comes through. So Elisha has his servant Gehazi come and bring the woman and he asks her you know we appreciate what you've done for us is there something we can do can we put in a good word for you for the king or the commander of the army and she says no you know my family takes good care of me so later Elisha asks Gehazi what can we do for her and Gehazi says she doesn't have a son and her husband is an old man so they call her back again and uh, he says, next year at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. She says, no, my Lord, oh man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. But sure enough, she became pregnant. And in that time, the following year, she had a son, just as Elisha had said. However, after the boy grew up older, we don't know how old, but older, he's out working the fields with his father. And somehow, I don't know, I guess he gets whacked in the head by a by some sort of tool or something but he says my head hurts my head hurts they carry him home to his mother and he died with his head in her, in her lap and so she carries him up laid him on the bed of the, of Elisha and uh and left him there and she sent a message to her husband to send servants and a donkey uh to the man of God and uh and then come right back and he says why go today it is neither moon festival nor sabbath and she says it'll be all right so she saddled a donkey and says to the servant hurry don't slow unless i tell you so elisha's on mount carmel and they see him they see her coming in the distance and uh and so he tells gehazi run out to meet her and ask if everything's okay and she tells gehazi everything's fine i guess she wants to tell elisha directly and so she kind of starts groveling at his feet and um, Gehazi wants to kind of protect him, but she, but Elisha says, leave her alone. She's deeply troubled, but the Lord's not telling me why. And then she asks him, did I ask for a son, my Lord? And didn't I say, don't deceive me and get my hopes up? 
And so Elisha says to Gehazi, let's go travel, get my, get my stuff ready. And don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly and lay the staff on the child's face. So I guess Elisha's not going. He's sending Gehazi to do this and just to put the staff on the boy's face. But the woman says, no, I'm not leaving unless you come too. So Elisha goes with her. But Gehazi wants to see this miracle for himself. <laughs> and so he hurries forward. He's got the staff. He puts it on the staff's face. But nothing happens. There's no sign of life. And so he returns and tells Elisha this. The child's still dead. So Elisha arrives, and the, yes, the child is dead, laying in his bed. So Elisha goes in, you know, into the room himself. He uh, prays to God. He lays on him, puts his eyes on him, his mouth on him, his hands on the child's hands, and he stretched out on him, and the child's body began to grow warm. And Elisha got up, walked back and forth across the room, and then he stretched on him and did it again. And this time the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. And so then Elisha calls Gehazi. Gehazi calls the mother. She comes in and Elisha says, here, take your son. She fell at his feet, bowed down, overwhelmed with gratitude, and then carried him downstairs. So we see here, um, uh, Elisha, just my observation in comparison, um, because Elisha has twice as many miracles that are written down. I mean, we don't know, you know. Certainly not everything that each each man did is written down, but but as far as what's written down, twice as much, and we know he asked for uh, twice the mantle of uh, the spirit of the Lord of of Elijah. But we see Elijah is sort of considered greater in the history of Israel, and uh, Elijah did more of the big talking to kings and whatnot. I mean, Elisha did that too. Um, whereas Elisha was more, at least what's written down, is more of just just uh, small miracles amongst the people. So then Elisha goes to Gilgal, and there's a famine in the land. And so uh, there's a group of prophets there, and he said to his servant, put a large pot on the fire and make some stew for the rest of the group. And so the prophets go and gather herbs and wild gourds, and they one of them accidentally puts something poisonous in the pot. And so the stew is served, and after they've just eaten a little bit, they cry out, Ah, man of God, there's poison in the stew. So they would not eat it. And Elisha says, Bring me some flour. He throws the flour in the pot and says, Now it's all right. Go ahead and eat it. And so they did, and there was no harm to them. And so then a man uh, comes and brings... Uh, brings Elisha a sack of fresh grain and 20 loaves of bread made from the first grain of the harvest. And Elisha says, give it to the people so they can eat. And his servant says, what? We can't feed 100 people with just this. So again, this is very reminiscent of Jesus feeding the 3,000 and the 5,000 with a very small amount of food. But Elisha repeated, give it to the people so they can eat. For this is what the Lord says, everyone will eat and there will even be some left over. And when they gave it to the people, there was plenty for all and some left over, just as the Lord had promised. I'm kind of seeing an interesting parallel. If we look at Elijah as a type for Jesus, then Elisha can be a type for all of us, in that um, Elisha has a double portion of what Elijah had. Now, uh, Elijah is is 
in higher regard in, in the history of the people of God, you know, Elijah is the one that showed up to Jesus on the mountain with Moses, not Elisha. Um, the people all regarded Elijah as the, the greater. He obviously went up in a chariot of fire to God. But Elisha, you see, doing more. And so if we look at Jesus as the first among many brothers, um, he is obviously supreme, and none of us can approach the Father without him. And yet he models a way and is the way for us to also do what he does and even greater things than this is what he said and so that's kind of a picture of elisha and us being being like elisha that there be many elishas walking around um in in the same way as jesus but it, not only a double portion but a magnified portion and so that's that's sort of our life and um i think that was it so that's the end of chapter four and the end of today. God bless you.